When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what is up? Welcome in. Beautiful day in the capital city. I am Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. We are live from the Market on Main in downtown Columbia, South Carolina. Going to tell you quite a bit about what they've got going on here at Market on Main. Great place to watch an away game. And we're going to tell you a little bit about the Market Party Express as well, um, as we have done many Fridays during this college football season. Uh, Of course, we'll tell you about our buddy Clint Hammond and uh, our friends at Liberty Tax as well. Uh, This is our Gamecock versus Kentucky preview show. Um, Chris, it feels like this game, I guess because we got a little head start on it, has been a long time coming. Um, Last week almost felt like a bye week to an extent. you know, had Saturday off uh, as far as a Carolina game goes. Uh, Carolina got a little head start on Kentucky. Uh, and, and now here we are, Friday, the day before, Gamecocks versus Kentucky, 7.30 p.m. kickoff, SEC Network. And uh, check your local listings for that. Um, it's here, though. It's almost here. Uh, big, big game for the Gamecocks. Shane Beamer has to downplay it. You want to go – every game stands on its own merit. Every game you want to prepare the exact same for. But outside looking in, man, there's no – to me, there's no argument against the idea that this is a big game for South Carolina. Huge game in more ways than one. And I know we always like to stay away from the whole must-win thing, um, especially with where South Carolina's at. But this this is a hugely important game. It It's meaningful from an emotional standpoint because of the fact that Kentucky's been able to take seven of eight seven of the last eight from South Carolina. You've got all the off-season chirping and chatter with Mark Stoops and what he said about the sunglasses and Shane Beamer's response at the Gamecock Central kickoff party. And then kind of both of them, not walking it back, but Stoops saying he wasn't referred to Beamer. Beamer, of course, being very respectful to Mark Stoops. And everything seems fine there. I expect not going to be any ill will. They're going to be down there on the field smiling before the game and all that. But this is a game that really has been hurtful to South Carolina fans the last several years. There's been some close games in there that they weren't able to take. You look at the game last year at home, 16-10 to 10 Kentucky win. South Carolina feels like that one kind of got away from them. And then you look, Wes, at the fact that South Carolina's 3-2. and two, And you've got an opportunity on the road with a Kentucky team that's been banged up, quite frankly. And you've gotten healthier if you're South Carolina. The, the path to getting back to bowl eligibility is not easy this year. And so you, this is a game that you look at throughout the rest of the schedule. It's not an easy game. It's a very difficult game, but it's maybe one of the more winnable ones uh, remaining on the schedule. And so getting a win here on the road would be meaningful in more ways than one. It gets you a fourth win. It gets you closer to bowl eligibility, but means so much more than that even than, than just a, a win in the column this year. Well, the big topic on everyone's mind right now is how healthy is Will Levis? Yeah. Does he play? If he plays, how close to 100% is he? I think safe to say he's not going to be 100%. That seems pretty apparent. Um, how's the finger on the non-throwing hand? How is the uh, quote-unquote lower leg as uh, they, they always give these days? Uh, these injury reports get more and more vague in sports so you know I I think um, this certainly I think with a banged up Will Levis or uh, you know a backup quarterback who has not played um, I was about to say meaningful down has not thrown a pass in a college football game uh, certainly becomes a bit more winnable for South Carolina I think and uh, you know Beamer I was listening to him talk obviously in the press conference this week but uh, you know even last night on the call-in show he he was like look I understand the narrative about having not won a road game in the SEC yet is going to be a thing until it is not. And, you know, I look at this as probably one of their better opportunities to go ahead and kind of get that proverbial monkey off their back. Um, You know, you mentioned last year's game as far as letting it get away. 
uh, multiple opportunities in the second half where South Carolina took over in Kentucky territory. Uh, the, the things I remember about that game most, A, it was very winnable. B, Levis did, you know, he's a different quarterback then maybe. He didn't do a ton against South Carolina. Kentucky turned it over a couple times. And I remember at the time thinking Luke Doty does not look like himself. Like he did not have the explosiveness, athleticism we are used to seeing from him. This game was sort of circled to me by someone prior to the season as like, hey, the upgrade at the quarterback position, you know, having a, you know, a healthy guy, having someone like Rattler's upside at that spot um, could be a difference in a game like this that was very tight last year. And I, I think, you know, we're going to talk about the running game. Obviously, we're going to talk about the lines of scrimmage. But um, as it will be all year long, Chris, going to be very important for seven to play well. Um, and, and for him and just this offense in general to not turn the football over tomorrow. That's where I was going to go. When I think of Spencer Rattler playing well in this game, obviously South Carolina is going to need him to do what he's capable of doing. They're going to need some explosive plays. They're going to need, quite frankly, some big throws from him on third down, I think. Right? I mean, but the biggest thing they need him to do is to not turn the football over. And, and that goes for Spencer and everyone, right? I mean, we're just coming off a game against SC State, which – Spencer Rattler threw a couple picks, and neither was his fault, yeah. especially the second one, right? Um, but that said, it, it's a whole team thing, but that's going to be, I think, number one for Spencer Rattler. Um, look at not only turnover margin, just in general, South Carolina. I know you had the stat a little bit ago on our on our show on 107.5. What was it, tied for second in the country in terms of on the wrong end? The wrong direction. But you look at the two Most SEC turnovers. games this year, yeah. Georgia, Arkansas, South Carolina, three to nothing in both of those games. So not only did you turn over the football three times, so combined six one, to nothing. Six to nothing combined. You're not you're not gonna have any chance to beat Georgia at home doing that against an elite team. And you're also not gonna go on the road and beat even a decent team, but especially a good team like Arkansas on the road. So that's the number one trend, honestly. That's the starting point that you have to reverse. Then we can get into everything else. You talk about everything else. If they go on the road and lose the turnover margin three nothing, they're not winning the football game. Definitely, man. By the way, what's up, Craig, Justin, Andy? Uh, wow, we got Andy Reid on here. How about that? Maybe uh, maybe he can weigh in on the South Carolina offense for this game. But um, I'm sure Andy hasn't heard that joke before. Never. But, uh, Chris, I, I'm going to say something that just came to mind. Uh, y'all can call me an idiot if you want. This may be a stupid thought, but uh, it's going to sound a little counterintuitive. This actually might be one of those games where um, a punt is not – the end of the world. And the reason I say that is this is this could potentially be a throwback type SEC football game. And I think you're going to have offensively limited possessions. Yeah. I think uh, you look, these offenses are actually very similar in what they try to be as far as they huddle up. Like you watch Kentucky play, it's much like South Carolina. When you see the quarterback doing this, that means, all right, guys, huddle up. And then they call a play. They walk to the line. You see shifts, motions. Um, they, they're not in a hurry to snap the football. And, uh, you know, we've seen South Carolina use some up-tempo at times, but they have not been in a hurry to snap the football either. So it's going to be limited possessions. And this is a Kentucky defense, man, that will swarm you. Uh, they're very good at getting off the field. They um, – are very physical, and they are going to force you to go the length of the field. Um, I I don't know if this is a game where Carolina can count on the offense to, like, go score 31 points, 35 points. Like, I, I think go ahead and kind of just my opinion. If the offense doesn't score 31 points tomorrow, I don't actually think that's some huge indictment on the offense. I don't think that means they necessarily didn't play well. I think this game will be about – taking what is there, not turning the ball over, but then most importantly, hitting when you do have those few opportunities to get points or to hit big plays because they will give them to you. Mm -hmm. Every team does. You know, there's no perfect defense, except maybe at times Georgia last year. <laughs> um, but does that make sense? Like that, There's, there's going to be limited opportunities, so you can't – I'm putting this in the context of what you said earlier – you can't, like, force those opportunities because if you force them, that's when you're going to be turning the football over, putting your defense in bad spots, 
and playing right into Kentucky's hands at home and getting that crowd going. That's what they would like to do is to limit your possessions. You know, when you think about how South Carolina is going to attack Kentucky, and, and here's a thought that just came to mind, mind too. Um, maybe it's also dumb. Yours was not. Um, Marcus Satterfield pointed out that Kentucky is normally in the right place. He said it's a beautiful thing to see. And he pointed out, this is interesting, that they got bounced out of some gaps against Ole Miss at times when Ole Miss went tempo, right? So, given that they are so sound on defense, given that Spencer Rattler has even publicly said, we like to run tempo. Our team likes it. Is that part of the game plan? Is drive one tempo. Now, there's a trade-off to that. You go out there and go tempo, you might just have a warp speed three and out. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want that either. Um, but I have to think that that might be baked into their plan, particularly with – we don't know if Kentucky's J.J. Weaver will play. He's missed a couple games. Jacquez Jones, it doesn't sound like their linebacker is going to play. So do they try to get them a little bit off schedule defensively and out of some gaps and, and hit some plays? Maybe so. Yeah, you know, man, I, I think uh, I think that's an excellent point. We've seen we've seen Carolina uh, use tempo the, the way I like, and that is use it off of a first down. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I think that's the way we've seen college football go. There was this trend for a while there where teams were literally like, let's go as fast as we can. And these teams were so married to the idea of tempo that you would see that. Like three straight like three straight plays and your defense is right back on the field with no not, – not even game time, like no real time, like actual time off the clock because you're just running to the line of scrimmage and snapping the ball. And I, I think to get into tempo, you need to hit – you need to like hit a play – that gives you some momentum. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would say no better opportunity for that than potentially I'm, I'm going to steal your thunder, but I'm, I want you to expound on it. You mentioned the tight ends yeah. um, and keys to victory, I think. And I've, I've been saying, look, Jaheim Bell, not that this is something – I mean, everybody's been saying this. At some point, they got to they gotta ha- let Jaheim Bell have his big game. And I, I completely get – you know, what Beamer said is true. Is It's not always going to be him. It's not always going to be Antoine Wells. Like, there's going to be different weeks where you say – there's only one football is what I'm trying to say. It should be different weeks where you say, you know, this was this guy's week to go off. Eventually, Zero is going to have his day. This might be one you pick because Nick Roush, KSR, told us um, their replacement for Jack West Jones – has been very good against the run. Maybe not as comfortable defending the pass. And then uh, I think you had some stats. I don't know if you remember off the top of your head, but they've been a little, um, I guess, willing to give up some yardage. Um, Maybe not willing, but they have given up some yardage to tight ends. Uh, Could this be the week that Stog or Jaheim gets loose down the seam? It's it's been interesting. Kentucky's defense has been – pretty stingy all year. I mean, no better evidence than you look at last week, Ole Miss at home, explosive offense, Lane Kiffin, 22 points. Mm. Not a lot of points. They won, they won the football game. They did enough. But it doesn't like Ole Miss just outscored them consistently throughout the game. Kentucky had a couple opportunities. They were doing what you said, a classic Kentucky drive. Could have won the game or at least tied it, turned the football over, right? So it's not like Ole Miss lit them up. Florida scored, what, 16? Mm. Um, the team that actually did the best job against Kentucky was Northern Illinois. They did a fantastic job, I thought, scheming throughout that game. They scored 23. I think it was 14-14 at halftime. One of the scores was a later touchdown. The game was still uh, probably out of reach, but scored a fourth-quarter touchdown, but especially early did a really good job, and they used some concepts that I thought had some carryover for South Carolina. They used – zone runs, and they were getting to the second level in Kentucky. Uh, they used some formations that we've seen from South Carolina, even. Uh, we saw some H-back. We saw some tight end and some boots that Spencer Rattler has been utilized a lot on this season. But Tristan Twos, the tight end for uh, Northern Illinois, had six catches, including two touchdowns. One of them was on a throwback, like a receiver jet sweep throwback. 
And but he had two touchdowns in the game, six catches. They did a pretty good job of moving their tight ends out into space and, and hitting them on some boots. So when I saw that, my mind went to, okay, Austin Stogner, Jaheim Bell, other types, you know, your receivers might be tough to come by, but here's some plays more in the middle of the field that, that might be there for the taking. Yeah, I think that's definitely something to watch because you're you're not there's not gonna be many holes in this Kentucky defense. And I I think you know, they have been – it's interesting. They've been like uh, – Satterfield talked about this too. They've been an NFL-style defensive scheme. And, uh, you know, they're going to – it seems like in the past they do play uh, some zone um, defense. But it's uh, – I, I sometimes think of zone defense as being like passive. I don't think of Kentucky's defense as being passive. Like they come up and they hit you. They have big – uh, defensive backs, they have length on the edge, and um, you know, Satterfield was talking about though they play like a structurally an NFL style front, and it's kind of a three four personnel, um, or, or at least three man front personnel. A lot of times, if you watch them though, it they're gonna have four guys on the line, uh, one of them is more like a stand up guy, and then three other guys inside, and that that changes the way like we're getting deep into the weeds, and I I wouldn't even know enough about it to know how to explain it to everybody. That does change the blocking assignments a bit for what you're going to see South Carolina call in the run game offensively. So, you know, I think let's go ahead and head that off. Don't look at what they did against SC State and be like, well, why are they calling different run calls? Uh, If you're one of those people who, like, really specifically looks at what they're doing in the running game, it's probably going to look a little bit different. And Kentucky – they, they lost their guy from last year that was an absolute stud in the middle. But yeah. it's a little bit more of a – that middle guy, they just want him to basically hold up two gaps um, and uh, and sort of just bury your center is what they're trying to do and, and allow everybody else to make plays. Um, like you said, it would be interesting to see if the Weaver kid is back. He's a really good player yeah. for them. Probably a difference maker, I, oh, I yeah. think. Um, I – if we want to get like into the running game, I think that's two things to watch there, Chris, on both sides. One, can Carolina get movement in the middle um, or can they find something on the edges? And for South Carolina, can they set the edges on defense? Um, you know, and does that mean Gilbert Edmond is still playing out there or do you see South Carolina mess around a bit with their personnel with an extra couple of days as well to get ready for this game? I haven't been told anything, but I got to think you're going to have something in your pocket defensively. Uh, I don't think necessarily you can just go out there in your regular old four-two-five and just stick in it the whole game. Yeah, we saw some five-man fronts against Arkansas. South Carolina had to get away from it. I mean, you remember in that game, uh, Boogie Huntley went down with an injury. Uh, of course, that was a game they lost Jordan Strawn. And so – And Mokaba. And Mokaba. So, you didn't see it as much. But we saw some iterations where they had basically – what it kind of looked like was three down linemen and two stand-up guys on the edge most of the time. Um, so, we saw some five-man fronts against a running team in Arkansas, uh, especially if Levis doesn't play. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to bake into their game plan. You, you can't take in two completely separate game plans based on who's out there. But – Baked into their game plan has to be the fact that this is a team that does want to run the football, especially now that Chris Rodriguez is back. And at the very minimum, Levis will have some type of limitations, right? Mm -hmm. So they want to come out and run the football against a team that's, frankly, they've struggled to stop the run. South Carolina has. So, yeah, I think think some wrinkles as far as having Tonka set the edge, that'll be critical. And obviously, I mean, tackling is going to be at a premium this game, not only in the run game against Rodriguez, but some of these receivers, Danky, uh, Tavion Robinson and then and then Barryon Brown. Those guys can make you pay if you don't tackle them in the open field. Yeah, Barryon Brown is on my personal uh, all man crush team. Like, right, this dude is fast, He's very fast. And you know, there's a lot of guys that are fast in college football, but um, he's like his speed is a game breaker. I feel like he messes up angles, um, yeah. you know, for for guys and. You know, for, for Pete Limbo's special teams this week, I, I cannot shake the feeling that special teams are going to be a big part in this game. Um, you know, and you feel good. Like, Pete Limbo is like a special teams genius. Like, you feel good about South Carolina winning 
most weeks winning their special teams battles. Like, you just do because Limbo will have his guys prepared. But this kid is one of those guys that sometimes you don't necessarily realize just how fast he is until you've played against him, I feel like. So, I think taking those proper angles, and if you listen to Limbo speak this week, he um, it was a very honest press conference. And he basically said, I'm paraphrasing, he basically said, all the gadgets are fun, but I'd much rather be sitting here talking about playing great technique. And you could tell – now, he has a high standard. I think we have to consider that as well. But you could tell – I think he's been trying to get the attention of the guys and saying, I haven't seen the great technique and over-the-top effort that I'm looking for consistently out of my unit. So – you know, SC State, man, let's say it for what it is. They probably couldn't really expose you necessarily yeah. on some of those things. Kentucky could, I think. Um, by the way, we are getting served up right now <laughs> by Anna. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. We're at the market on Main. I got some silverware for you guys oh, as yeah, well. Perfect. Anything else I can get for you? I think we are great. All right. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Anna. Uh, Chris, what you work with, man? We have some chorizo tacos right here. There you see. Looks like a tzatziki sauce, Wes. Oh, yeah. Those look absolutely amazing. That looks like uh, is that like a guacamole? It's an avocado type. type of, okay, yeah, like type of uh, sauce. All right, I'm working. Ooh, believe it or not, when she said ham sandwich, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. But look um, at that. I'm working with the ham sandwich. Oh, I about dropped the pasta salad, y'all. Um, the ham sandwich, pasta absolutely. salad. Uh, let's try get a little look at that. Uh, this is a ham sandwich with bacon, some honey mustard, some phenomenal. melted cheese. Uh, Looks amazing, actually. So, you can come out and get this as well. As well, uh, I think it's Restaurant Week in Columbia as well. It's Restaurant Week every week. I feel like in Columbia. It is for us. But um, yeah, come on out, Market on Main. Again, uh, you've got the uh, QR code right over here for the Market Party Express. Um, trying to tell y'all a little bit more about that. Uh, y'all have to wait on that. But um, so, Chris. Completely lost my train of thought with this uh, food that just got and, and the smell us. is like just yeah. Where's that? All right, y'all. We'll see you later. Not, huh? yeah. We got a show to do, but um, for real, where was I at? <laughs> the chorizo and the ham has just totally. <laughs> As I, no, we were talking about Pete Limbo and special teams, and, and I think one thing I was going to add on, not to cut you off, is you know, Limbo was not, I mean, there was really no black, no gray area there. He mentioned, I think, didn't he specifically the SC State and Charlotte games? Yes. That it maybe didn't show up, but he did not like what he saw on film. Mm-hmm. He made those types of mistakes against Barry on Brown. The Kentucky band is, is, is probably playing, playing or, or they're about to be soon. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was the point I was getting at. Like, this kid is going to find the seam. Yeah. Uh, Beamer joking yesterday that, um, on one, and I, I was in and out listening to the show on the radio while I was in the car. He said on one of the returns from Kentucky that um, the kid had he made some signal or accidentally signaled to a few of his teammates that they they thought he was just gonna like fair catch it. I think so. They stopped blocking, and then he still takes it off. Or, it didn't matter at all. So, um, man, that that is something to watch. I feel yeah. like because um, that. That would be brutal for South Carolina if they yeah. if they play if they outplay Kentucky or play Kentucky to a draw on offense and defense and then special teams ends up being the reason they lose because they I mean oh. they're they're as well prepared as anybody. That on that would be teams. that would be a, a gut punch, no doubt. But I mean, you look at this game I think it's generally expected to be a close game, right? Like I don't I don't think anybody thinks ah Kentucky by three touchdowns. Uh, certainly not all oh, South Carolina by three touchdowns, right? Even if Will Levis doesn't play, it's expected to be an evenly matched game. So it could be literally one play, and, and that could be a, a long return, even if it's not a score. Maybe you set up – I mean, you're talking about field position earlier and how possessions may be limited. Um, field position certainly is going to be at a premium. You can't afford – um, a, a bad return. You can't afford an explosive runner, an explosive pass that sets up the other team in scoring position. And you mentioned earlier, you have those opportunities for a deep ball or an explosive play for South Carolina. You've missed, I mean, I don't know if this is fair, missed more of those than you made, but probably so. You got to hit those. Yeah, when it's been 
it's, it's been kind of one of those things at times where it's like if it's not one thing, it's another. Yeah. And to hit a deep ball, you have to have so many things go right. You got you got to have the protection. Quarterback's got to get the ball there, and the receiver's got to go catch it for you. And you know, it's too many times, I feel like uh, I feel like it's been like two out of three. You know, like yeah. the protection, yeah. the ball is there. Uh, but then the receiver doesn't make a play. Or they drop back, there's no protection, but maybe the receiver was open. Yeah. Or, you know, Rattler just barely – how many near misses have – we? I mean, how close has he been to making some spectacular throws on the barely. line that have just barely been off? Um, so I, I think that's definitely something there, man. If they give you an opportunity – and, you know, they're, they're going to have to continue to block they being South Carolina's receivers. you got to block on the outside, man, like that – a team that if they are going to play some off coverage, play some zone, those little quick throws to the outside uh, that Pearson hates um, <laughs> are, are going to – they're going to still be in the game plan, I feel like. And you, the difference in that being no gain and being a positive gain, even if you get four or five yards, you're actually happy with that, I think, because it's an extension yeah. of your run game. That's what I was going to say, extension of the run. It, it, it's the same as – it almost be like saying, well, why are you running the football? Well, everybody loves running the football. People are always yelling about it in the stands, and for good reason. You have to do it to win. What do you have to do to run the football? You got to block. Yeah. You got to hand the ball. You got to have a clean exchange. You got to block, and you have to have a guy go make a play. And with the competition that South Carolina plays frequently, you're, you're normally not going to be untouched, even before or at the line of scrimmage. So same thing with these quick. If they're going to give you five yards on the outside, if you can't take it, that's your fault. So go go take it. Uh, block on the perimeter. That's the team's been up and down. Kentucky's got length. They're physical at DB. You got to go out and win some of those battles on the edge. I think this is where you go in. Not that they don't do this every week, but I think you challenge your guys on the outside. You know, like I think you challenge them and tell them just how, hey, those guys are big. They're physical. Um, they might be more physical than you. Like, I, I think you challenge your receivers on the outside because that's going to be a key to this game, man, is that, um, you know, th- those plays mm-hmm. look bad when you don't have blocking, and they look very simple. How many times have y'all watched the defense of a team you pull for, South Carolina included, and be like, God, that looks easy. Yeah. Well, it's an easy – it's a pretty easy throw, um, even though it's not even that easy of a throw. <laughs> right. Um but Rattler, Rattler gets the ball out there quick. Like, he has a quick release, tight spiral. If you can block them, there are – like, the timing on those plays is so important. And I, I think there are opportunities there um, if you if you block out there on the edge. And I think that's where, you know, you look at, um, obviously, like Jalen Brooks, a guy that gives you some size out there. Um, you know, do we see they, – they've used at times Stogner and Jaheim Bell flexed out very wide in the formation – because they give you an extra blocker out there as well. So I think that's going to be something to watch in this game if Kentucky does play some off coverage, which it seems like they do. Um, Craig's saying I'm dying to take a bite. He uh, is reading right. me perfectly. Um, this thing looks amazing. But um, they also, again, as we tell you every week, the Market Party Express uh, is at 1040 Key Road, right outside of williams Price Stadium. You, uh, They're already sold out for Texas A&M, but they do have availability for homecoming and the Tennessee game if you want to tailgate in style in a cockaboose um, for a couple of games this year and really gives you an opportunity if you don't own a cockaboose and want to experience what cockaboose tailgating is all about. Uh, hit up our friends there. Go to marketonmain.com. They have a tab up there where you can get your tickets. Um, they also, if you're in Columbia, they have these dinner events um, that are wine dinner events. Uh, they have a Spanish dinner next Wednesday. Uh, and then there are tickets for a French and Italian dinners available as well. Again, marketonmain.com. Uh, hit the Market Party Express. Um, dude, the Italian dinner. Oh, yeah. That's probably the direction I would go. I know Chris here loves some Italian as well. Absolutely. But um, let's see. What have we not hit about this game? We've hit a lot of things so far. Um, crowd probably into it. There, yeah. You know, there, there's a good point. Uh, if y'all want to read more about this game, Head on over to our friends at KSR, uh, Kentucky Sports Radio. Uh, I know you've been reading over there, man. I have as well. Um, I feel like I've learned quite a bit just from perusing their website. And um, I I think a point they made was, um, and I didn't realize this because I don't 
cover or follow Kentucky that closely, Stoops' teams have actually struggled a bit coming off of their first big loss of a season. Yeah, interesting point. And um, this uh, this is from Adam Luckett. I hope I'm getting that right um, on their podcast with Nick Roush. And, um, you know, he, he, he seemed like that was a real thing. Like that's kind of a concern from the Kentucky perspective is sort of you get built up. And this Kentucky team has been built up. Oh, absolutely. Top 10 team, supposedly. And then you get a big just gut punch type loss where you have two opportunities to go win the game, Chris. I that, That's maybe worth keeping an eye on, I think. The two things – just from a mental standpoint in this game, from a tough Kentucky perspective, how quickly can you put that behind you early in this game? From the South Carolina perspective, we've used this key every single week. Can you get off to – I won't even say a fast start. Can you get off to a medium start, you know, and, like, not be down early on, not have the here we go again on the road yeah. type situation? So that, that could be two, like, non-physical things – for both sides that play a factor into the flow of this game. Yeah, I mean, if you come out and you start slow again, and, and remember, the slow starts, let's not absolve the defense. They have also started very slow. Yes, and when, I, think, I think when people think about the slow starts, they think about the amount of points you're putting up on the board. The other teams have been putting up a lot of points early as well, um, for the most part. And all the, you know, even Charlotte, SC State didn't. Charlotte did. Everybody else has. So you got to get off to, I mean, you, you get in a 14-0 hole after the first quarter or something like that, it's going to be very difficult to climb back into the game. Now the atmosphere is kicked up. Kentucky's keyed up. They're confident. You're playing right into the type of game that Mark Stoops wants to play. So getting off to a fast start is critical. Yeah, it absolutely is, man. Just I feel like every, every, game, every game has a flow. As Chris is about to flip his food, he wants some so bad. Right, right into um, my lap almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, every game has a flow and when you, when you get down so early and and again, I think, I think it's right to point that out, man. It has not just been the offense. If anything, it has definitely been both sides, uh, maybe even more so the defense we have seen, you know, against Arkansas, the offense early on, mm-hmm. even if you're not putting up points, they, they had some drives like yeah. where you're moving the ball. Um, matter of fact, South Carolina, remember the very first opening sequence against Arkansas, they moved the ball and then I think ended up having a penalty and then had a – it was one of their worst punts of the year, I think. And they ended up – you should have been flipping field position. And it was the same as a turnover. So that would be like almost a seventh turnover. Um, Just then – you want to talk about hidden yardage? Limbo likes to talk about hidden yardage. Dude, that's a hidden yardage play. It's it's a turnover as far as how the game flows. So, yeah. you know, man, I, I think just to be able to get into the flow of the game, not feeling like you're chasing Absolutely. is massive. Because if you have to chase against Kentucky, that's when you get into throwing the ball in those tight windows, the ball getting batted around, and potentially having um, those turnovers we're talking about. Like, a lot of times we talk about turnovers like big picture, rightfully so. But all these other little factors probably factor in to why you have to put the ball in danger in the first place, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be amazing to see the South Carolina team and insightful to see them play a game from ahead. We, we have not seen that. We saw it against SC State, but we, we didn't even see it at the beginning of the Charlotte game, right? I mean, yeah. Um, certainly not in conference play. I mean, you look at what happened against Georgia. You look at Arkansas game, twenty-one to three. Um, it does completely change the complexion of the game, and I think it's amplified against a team like Kentucky. One little small thing, Wes, uh, that I'm looking at too is to get off to that fast start. Well, how do you do that offensively, defensively? I think we know, right? I mean, you got to stop the run. You got to force them into some mistakes, make them punt. But uh, offensively, Marshawn Lloyd's touches I think are going to be key in this game too. He's been the most reliable and, and dangerous-looking guy in the run game. He's also been an asset catching the ball. In SEC play, I didn't even realize this, has not seen 10 carries in an SEC game yet. So um, he's, he's caught the ball some in, in each of those games. But I think one of either the Georgia-Arkansas game, I'm, I'm flip-flopping these probably, but nine 
carries, I think, in one and maybe seven in the other. So touches early for Marshawn Lloyd, I think, are critical. Yeah, and I think being in a position where you're, the game is not out of hand yeah. probably puts Let's you, you – yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I thought the way the Arkansas game was going, they probably, you know, looking back – would have ran him a little bit more because they were, mm-hmm. they actually had success running the ball against Arkansas, um, probably way more so than they were given credit for at the time. I mean, when they ran it, it was there. Yeah. And um, you know, I would dare say it's probably going to be a little bit more – you're going to have to be a little bit more just hard-headed running the ball yeah. against Kentucky yeah. and just sort of hope um, hope you can sort of just chip away at that wall. Yeah. I, I look at it like that whole chopping wood mentality. And I, I think that's something for – for Satterfield, he would probably personally tell you, um, you know, sometimes is is a bit hard to do when you get in the flow of the game, and you know, you know what seven can do, you know what his arm is capable of. Uh, you also almost have to protect yourself from yourself as a play caller and say, keep getting the ball to one. Um, this could ultimately break, and you get more yardage out of it than you initially uh, appear like you're going to get. But man, you can't. It's hard to be hard headed in the running game if you were down. Yeah. If you're in the yeah. flow of a game and both sides are sort of throwing jabs, you're a little bit more like, all right, let's fill each other out. If you're down 21 off the bat, or the other team scored 21 in their first three possessions. Yeah. It's you, hard to do that. It's like hard to blame a coach yeah. Yeah. For, for doing that because, as we've talked about, man, Kentucky, if they have an early lead, they are going to be willing to sit on it, I think. 100%. Um, so I don't know, man, this, it, it kind of feels like we may, we may know not who's going to win this game, but we may really have a feel for how this game is going to play out. What? Two drives each into it. Yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, you know, the Arkansas game, there was a time that certainly felt like South Carolina was not going to win the game when it was 21-3 early. They did climb back into it and got the ball back down five in the third quarter. And okay. And ultimately, Arkansas slammed the door. But um, it, it just feels like it'd be tougher to do in a game like this, given the matchup. So, yeah, I, I think early on, if South Carolina is struggling early offensively and defensively, that'll probably tell the story. Probably be hard to turn that around. Not that it couldn't happen, but probably will tell us. So, yeah, I think early on, first, second quarter, probably have a decent field for how it plays out. All right, guys, uh, it is not tax time yet, but uh, if you unfortunately uh, maybe didn't do your taxes right off the bat and filed an extension, that deadline is coming up. Or if you own a business and are looking for somebody to help you with your bookkeeping, our friends at uh, the Liberty Tax Team right here in Columbia can help you with that. 803-462-5576. They have locations in Irmo, Columbia, and Lexington, 1123 South Lake Drive. That's Lexington. 7467 St. Andrews Road in Irmo or 551 St. Andrews Road in Columbia. Uh, again, 803-462-5576. If you owe the IRS money, uh, that's unfortunate, but they can help you through that process. And uh, you can talk to someone locally as opposed to some stranger on the other end of a 1-900 number. So 803-462-5576. Again, as always, thank you to Larry and our friends at Liberty Tax for supporting GC Live. Uh, appreciate all of you who are in the chat right now as well. We got a pretty lively bunch for a Friday. I think everybody is excited for what appears to be um, after obviously a rainy weekend last weekend, a beautiful weekend um, in Columbia and uh, hopefully the rest of the state of South Carolina as well. Um, and maybe a renewed sense of the opportunity to win this game, I feel like, going through Game Nation. Uh, at the start of the week, I feel like, Chris, there wasn't. A lot of excitement from the fan base. I think it was kind of like, here we go again. Um, you know, Kentucky is on South Carolina. And I feel a little bit of renewed sense going into this game. Um, are, are we at the prediction point? Yeah, so. we're so. getting there. I'm trying to think of actually hold that thought. We're going to tease that real quick. Chris is going to give his prediction. I'm going to give mine. Um, Chris, do you think we talked a little bit about personnel earlier? Any surprises for personnel side? I'm curious to see what does the rotation, what does the starting lineup look like on the offensive line? Mm-hmm. Because we have seen it, it's like very quietly shifted a bit due to injury, 
But then, you know, it's been a situation where Jalen Nichols was a starter at left tackle. He has been back the last couple weeks. I don't know if he's 100%, but right. he's been back. He's been cleared right. to play. He's gotten in the games. But they have started Ja'Kai Moore at left tackle, and uh, they have started Tyshawn Wanamaker at right tackle. Yeah. Dylan Wanham is back this week. Uh, Trey Jones, actually one of the guys who has uh, been in the mix at left guard. He's entered the last few games. He's now banged up. Do you do you sort of see this O-line continuing to be a rotation? Like, I, I'm very curious to see – as these next few games play out, does it sort of settle in yeah. on a main five? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I certainly don't have an answer. I think, you know, you gotta you gotta look at the health, you know, so Dylan Wanham and Trey Jones, like do they definitely play tomorrow? We don't even know that, right? Um Wanham did some things at practice, but like is it gonna get to game day and ah Dylan Wanham wasn't quite ready to go. He didn't didn't feel like he could go or the medical staff didn't feel like he could go. So I think it depends on that. But I don't know. I mean, has anybody outright played so well at one of those tackle spots or on the other side have all the guys just earned playing time? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's very possible. But I'll, I'll be curious. I'll be watching that too. Who starts? And then do they platoon guys at the tackle position? I think it's entirely possible. I think I think Ja'Kai Moore gives them a little more – foot speed, like a little more athleticism mm-hmm. on the edge. Um, now, again, like we said, this Kentucky defense is going to be big and physical mm-hmm. up front. So do you maybe kind of try to match that? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. do you say, all right, we want our, we just want to go with our more athletic guy? And, uh, you know, I think it maybe depends on the game plan to a bit as well. Like, are you, are you going to throw to run, like throw to set up the run, or are you going to run to set up the throw game? I, I think it's going to be part of that. Wanamaker – uh, I think a little bit smaller frame than like a Dylan Wanham. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've said it several times, and I've seen it with my own eyes too, man. Wanamaker has a little – he le- he brings some energy. He does. He has an edge. And I think that's another uh, that's another reason that getting off to a good start is um, imperative for them because we see them sort of build off of each other. Remember last year when they sort of finally found some momentum late yeah. in the – you remember the offensive line against Florida and oh, Auburn? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were just the excitement it. level. Yeah. Seeing some success. Um, that That's important, obviously. But for this team especially, and I, I think I think if, if Wanham can go, I personally wouldn't be surprised. I think we could just see all those guys. Yeah. I think some of it will be down – not down in distance, but game situation. And some of it will probably be – I mean, is it like a running back, almost like hot hand? Like, all right, this guy's playing well. This matchup's going well. Um, that's who's going to be in there. Yeah, probably depends on, you know, who's Kentucky. Well, you know, J.J. Weaver's in the game, you know, and he looks good. If he looks healthy, that might change how, how you feel about your rotation there. And um, Yeah, I, it looks like all those guys have, you know, earned their playing time. Now, injuries have factored in, but uh, they've taken a look at all of them. I think all of them have done some good things in spots. All of them have some things that certainly they got to improve on and, uh, their performance, regardless of who's in there. And, and I do think, you know, you probably lean towards a rotation, but just yeah. based on what we've seen, uh, their, their play will be very important on Saturday. Yeah, it seems like, Chris, uh, Javon Gwynn at right guard and Eric Douglas at center, really the only two guys that they have just sort of had locked into their positions. Right. The only times they've really gotten out, it's been late in games when the games were decided, basically. Mm-hmm. As far as actual game reps when the game is on the line, those two guys have been in there. The other three spots, there's been a lot of rotation. And maybe some of it started due to injuries, but I think it does go a bit beyond that, personally. Um, we've talked about keys to victory throughout the show. But um, real quick, man, I want to go back to what you were talking about earlier. I don't think we dove completely into it. But tackling specifically Chris Rodriguez. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you remember that stat you gave on 107.5 right off the top of your head, but – um, even last week, as he was getting back into the, the feel for things, reminded me a little bit of what Corey Rucker said, like trying to get back into game shape. Mm-hmm. For South Carolina, you kind of hope he's still not quite in total game shape <laughs> right. this week. But a lot of his yardage last week against Ole Miss was like an after-contact situation. Yeah, seventy. I think it was 72 yards. Total, total, and 61 after contact. And that's just kind of what he does. Um, 
pretty consistently. I mean, he's he's a he's a hit at the line, or you know, and and gets three yards, or he's a he's a looks like a three yard run, and now it's six, and that's what you got to avoid. You know, if you got an opportunity to get him down in the backfield, he needs to be down in the backfield. That you don't want this Kentucky team six yard knee to death, and then taking some shots and being able to hit him. And so, uh, you know, obviously that's a concern for South Carolina. It doesn't. I'm going to say it doesn't matter who plays at quarterback, but when, you know, in the run game, uh, Kentucky probably structure it differently if Will Levis can't go or if he's limited. Uh, but you got to be able to stop their backs and, and not have them extend yardage. And we saw Arkansas game, you know, that's the biggest, you know, thing you can point to, biggest example you can point to in that game, over 150 yards after contact that South Carolina surrendered. And I think it was 21 missed tackles. Yeah, they can't do so that. Can't do that. Um, you know, I, I think if Kentucky does have to go to their backup quarterback, extremely inexperienced, has not thrown a pass in college, uh, which I find very interesting that they yeah. haven't gotten him in not at all any of these games. Um, he's a guy that started the year maybe third or fourth on the depth chart. They had a transfer out, uh, then he passed someone. It appears, and it is now their number two. Um, He's got some athleticism to him, ran a 4.840. And, um, again, I'm leaning on KSR here, reading their profile. And, um, you know, is a kid who's not going to be a run-first guy but can run around a little bit. So I think that will be something to look at. Does he run away from South Carolina's defense? And another reason it's going to be so important to stop the run, slow the run, if they're able to just let him make easy throws, like quick throws to the perimeter, slants, yeah. keep it very simple <laughs> – then he can probably manage that. Um, if you're forcing him to actually go out there and read the defense and go through progressions and, you know, not play behind a line that hasn't been great in protection, yeah. um, then that's probably a great recipe for Carolina's defense to be able to hold Kentucky um, to right, you know, around or under 21 points, I think. that yeah. I, I think whoever gets into the 20s in this game can actually put some pressure on the other team yeah. To, to, to try to match him. So um, the fact he's got some athleticism, though, y'all, is something I'm keeping an eye on in this game. Is he able to run away from Carolina, extend some drives? Uh, on the other hand, Levis, very athletic, pretty big athletic guy. But if he has that injury, if he's playing hurt, um, maybe that takes away some of his escapability. So I, I think that's something to keep an eye on. But certainly if you want to just dial it down into one thing, tackling Rodriguez when you have opportunities. And uh, somebody mentioned Debo Williams. I was listening to um, Darius Rush talk on his podcast this week, and he was talking about the backup linebackers and how much experience they got the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I think Debo Williams, Stone Blanton, Bam Martin Scott, I think those guys are going to have to play well in this game, whether that's potentially putting another linebacker on the field, something we don't see South Carolina do a ton of. But even if not, if Kentucky's going to just sort of hammer away at you, you're going to have to rotate guys quite a bit. So I think Debo, Stone, Bam, they're going to need to play well for South Carolina. So I, I would say look out there when the backups are on the field. Is Carolina still able to stop the run if they're stopping the run with the first team when those guys are out there too? Yeah, this is a team that struggled some with depth, particularly at edge. You know, linebacker, they've, had, they've got some guys that haven't played a ton, and so bringing those along. I think obviously the first team has to play well. That's your starting point, but you don't want there to be substantial drop off when backups inevitably have to come in. So, from that standpoint, it's nice if you can limit Kentucky's possessions. If you're playing 70 defensive snaps, probably not as good. Keeping it to 50 or 60, probably a lot better. So, all right, we've been teasing our uh, final predictions for a while now. Let's go ahead and give them. Uh, Chris, first of all, what was your nine final score prediction? We have two things we have staff predictions. For the game, as far as uh, the result, and we have our staff predictions where each person makes a prediction that is not the result of the game. Yeah, I think mine was uh, that, you know, well, I mentioned the carries earlier from Marshawn Lloyd, just that he, he sees plenty of touches in this game. I think that they rely on Marshawn Lloyd, especially in the running game, but also in the passing game. I, I think this is based on what he's put on tape and his impact he's made. You look at Marshawn Lloyd and say, this is the guy we need to ride. All right, my big picture prediction was basically that this is a grinded out, old school, 
South Carolina, Kentucky type matchup. Um, if you get to 21, you got a chance to win. If you get to 24, I think you win this game. Um, Chris, what's your final score? Um, I've got Kentucky 27, South Carolina 20. Um, I'm, I'm trying, I tried to factor in Levis not playing even. The concern, Wes, I think is, you know, not just playing on the road. I, I'm not going to take the entirety of last year and bring it all the way forward to this year. Yeah. Carolina's only played one road game. I don't think yeah. it's fair to say they can't play on the road. But, yeah. you know, stopping the run uh, until it's done, because they've struggled against really every team. In, it didn't show up as much against SC State and Charlotte because how those games went. But until they can stop the run, that's that's just kind of where I'm at. And their defense for Kentucky is still pretty stingy. Yeah, they are very stingy, very stout. Um, shout out to Soggy Waffles, by the way, one of the best uh, screen names. A good one. We have on here, he says, Gamecock Country, let's ride. Um, all right, I'm picking Gamecocks 21-17. to 17. Um Call it a gut feeling. I can't tell you why or how, but I just think it's going to be a physical, uh, just one of those games where both sides sort of muck it up and uh, you have some turnovers, you have a couple big plays here and there. Maybe a special teams play is the difference. I don't know. We'll see. But um, Gamecocks are due against Kentucky. I feel like there's been some very winnable games in this uh, bunch of games that South Carolina has lost to them. And uh, I don't know, riding with the home team, we'll see what happens. Um I guess not the home team for this game, but the home team. <laughs> we for, knew what you meant. Yeah, yeah. Well, somebody will call you out if you uh, if you don't call yourself oh, actually. out. Actually, yeah. Well, actually, sir. Um, all right, y'all. That's it. Uh, shout out to our boy Clint Hammond. ClintHammond.com. 803-771-6933. Uh, you've seen Clint. Uh, his info above our head. All show. So, um, we'll. Uh, well, I guess we don't have to tell you that much more about Clint. Y'all hear about him every day. Uh, we're here at the Market on Main. We're about to eat. Some amazing lunch. Uh, Chris has been like sneaking chorizo tacos, sneaking some shots the whole way. Um, I almost dropped the pasta salad again. Um, Mark says, Prove me wrong, Sat. Uh, We hear you, Mark. Um, he's had a very consistent message all week long. Um, hey, appreciate y'all. Y'all have a great weekend. If you're going to the game, be safe. If you're going to the game, take a blanket, take a jacket. It is going to be chilly. Um, otherwise, enjoy it at the Hizzy. Uh, we'll have complete coverage, Gamecock Central. Uh, obviously, Kendall Smith, our crew, uh, Colin Taylor, they'll all be out there. I think we've got a photographer out there as well. So, complete coverage, Gamecock Central. He is Chris. I'm Wes. Appreciate Mark and Old Main. Appreciate y'all. Y'all have a great, great one, and we will see you on Monday.